Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, I spent some time this past week with my older cousins. They're in their 50s, 60s. They're older gentlemen. They're baseball fans, but they're a little bit older. We're talking about the Mets, talking about the Yankees. They're asking me if there might be a Subway series this year. But then they got started talking about, you know, their sort of more get off my lawn opinions about how starters should complete, should throw complete games. And all the rule changes are awful, which ironically enough are things that you and I agree with. Right. It's kind of the weird like horseshoe theory of of baseball. Yes, exactly. But it got me thinking, you know, if that is the crotchety old man take for them in 2022, what might be our version of that 35 years from now when we're that age? Look into the future and tell me what you think is going to be your crotchety old man opinion that you're sharing over lunch, over a three-course Italian dinner lunch <laughs> with your younger cousins when they want to hear some some baseball wisdom from you. God, that's such a hard question because it's so hard to determine what bizarre changes will come about in baseball over that time, right? Right. Like, am I still going to be going off on banning the shift at that point once the shift is entirely banned that will feel like settled a settled conversation though the dh conversation after the american league introduced it continued basically until the present right that's not fun though you already feel that way i know throw me something out creative well so then it has to be something that that is not a part of the conversation at this point, right? People weren't talking in the 60s and 70s about how starters need to go longer because they were doing that at the time, right? So what is yeah. what is the change that's going to happen in the game that that maybe radically alters our understanding, our consumption of it? Will players return to hitting the ball the other way? And I'm going to say, man... I miss all those pull back in old home runs. Back in my day, <laughs> players knew how to utilize that launch angle. <laughs> uh, maybe, perhaps there will be a a new advanced stat that comes about. Mm. And I say, I remember when we just figured out who the best player in baseball was by WAR. <laughs> <laughs> like WAR becomes the new RBIs, basically, right? Or batting average, or like wins, or something like that. Yeah. I feel like that might be where where I end up just because it's like a such a core understanding of how I interpret the game, right? Is a lot of the sabermetrics that are very in vogue right now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, WRC plus these these things that may seem Whoa. seem a little bit opaque to the previous generation. I am certain that that the generation that comes after us will decide that defense is the most important part of of war and hitting is devalued completely i'll say 
Just a league full of Ben Revere's. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, or, I mean, and this has already happened, right? But, like, stolen bases. Will stolen bases be so completely devalued that they're a rarity in the game, as they kind of already are, right? But will they on, be on the verge of extinction to, to the point where I'm just begging a, you know, six-foot, 250-pound first baseman to just try and make a scramble for <laughs> second base. So I think that the gameplay changes happen so gradually that I don't think that I'll ever get quite as crotchety about them as I will definitely get about the incoming, I guess, technological revolution mm-hmm. of the sport. Meaning, like, remember when Clinton was on the podcast for the all-gift draft? And he took Buck Showalter, and then we were like, anything else on your mind, anything you want to plug? And he decided to just do a two-and-a-half-minute rant about how baseball is not supposed to involve this much technology. The thing that makes it interesting and wonderful is that you you can understand it just by looking with your eyes, using your hands, using your feet. It's just a very, it's like a very tactile experience. And we've already seen the introduction of the pitch com, which I don't have strong feelings about necessarily and we're about to get robot umpires within the next five to ten years and Mm -hmm. that would lead you to believe that 35 years from now there will be like a ton of tech and therefore like there will be tech companies with active investments in trying to win contracts for major league baseball so i know that's kind of like a general answer but i think like the digitization of the game i think will will come to annoy me more than it already does. Like when you have to learn how to code to play baseball competitively, I'm going to be pissed. Right. When, when you are majoring in computer science as opposed to like sports management. Yes, you know? exactly. <laughs> Cause it helps you better understand like the big data that you get fed by your coaches. Like that. Nah. nah. So basically we're saying the sport's about to become a bunch of nerds. Yep. And we remember when it was just, jocks who had nothing bouncing around in their heads they just knew how to how to swing a bat and throw a ball right we need to go the other way i know that the whole like dog in him thing has been overused in in the past two weeks since it became a meme but we need we need more focus on the dog in him of baseball rather than the zeros and ones of the game right and this is obviously nothing to say of like the the technological future that's already upon us around sports betting and the fucking blockchain which which we will get to right and <laughs> and who knows if that's something that exists 30 years from now or if I, we're about to hear a big old pop but i feel like i will i will certainly yearn for the days when i collected baseball cards instead of like jpegs mm. you know counterpoint my my memes folder is looking pretty good mm, it's true it's looking pretty good. Yeah. I've built up the foundation. I have like 10 or 15 that I go to regularly. Yeah. I haven't even used like 50% of them. Yeah. They're just in there just in case. <laughs> just in case the right situation comes Break around. Break in case of emergency meme exactly, folder. Exactly. Exactly. So maybe the maybe the JPEGification of baseball is a good thing. I don't know. To, I, be, to we, be determined. We have created a brand around uh, GIFs. So I suppose we can't uh, talk too much of our high horse. I just know that like within the next 50 years, you actually won't be able to go watch a baseball game in person. Like, it'll have to be some sort of digital barrier to it. Mm -hmm. 
or they're going to try to do that and there'll be a revolt. But what what we're seeing right now going to a baseball game with 50,000 people, I think in 50 years that'll probably be be dead and I'll be pissed about it. Certainly and in it's the, because in the of form the that com. it exists right now. <laughs> By then we'll have like robots with consciousness that always sit in the same seats and you can just inhabit one of them mm-hmm. instead of actually like taking the 7 train to City Field, you just like put on a Right. Oculus our, our headset, VR, yep, yeah, and you're quote unquote at the game. Nah, fuck that. Yeah, fuck that. That's my prediction. Mm-hmm. I'm on board with that. It seems eminently plausible with the direction that this, that society is heading. Yep, piped in audio noise. Then it won't even matter if the field is on fire because of climate change. That's true. The players will just play through it. So maybe it's a good thing, right? We've we want them to stick to sports anyway. Or maybe there'll be robots on the field like Rock'em Sock'em Robots and they put on a VR headset too and they're just playing MLB The Show. Right. I... <laughs> Our dream of making the majors realized. <laughs> I think the future we're describing is just out of the park baseball. <laughs> like Major League Baseball purchases it and says, people seem to enjoy this. Yep. This is this is our sport now. Um, this is the beautiful future that we always imagine on tipping pitches mm-hmm. when we talk about how can we make a better sport. <laughs> we believe a better sport is possible where there's actually no players and no fans and it all happens online. Um, okay, we are going to talk about, as Alex alluded to, the crypto crash and how it interacts with Major League Baseball in absurd ways. We are going to talk about Sen versus MLB, which is the minor league lawsuit that was just settled this past week. Um, and then we're going to do a fun listener question for the back half of the podcast. But before we do all of that, I am Bobby Wagner. I am Alex Baisley. And you are listening to Tipping Pitches. Okay, before we get into it, a quick shout out to all of our new patrons from this past week. If you listened last week, you know that we had to read every single new patron, which was 142 names. We don't have that many names to read this week. Though still a still a good showing from everyone, so much appreciated. Uh, thank you to Stratton, Zach, Olive, Abel, Rufferu, Peter, Jess, William, Coco, Eric, Abby, Zach, and Chris. Thank you, Mari, Colleen, Jesse, Peter, Drew, Mike, Dan, Bill, Sarah, Samantha, Tom, Sarah, and Jay. Reading this many names in a row always feels like you're reading like a top 100 baby names in the U.S. <laughs> list. And then there's so many repeats, but we love we love all of you equally. Thank you so much to everybody who signed up this week or last week or at all. As a reminder, it's patreon.com backslash tipping pitches. Three tiers. You get great stuff in all of them. Um, and you get access to the Slack by signing up to any of them. And the Slack is absolutely going off. It's, it's a fun way to procrastinate doing my work during the day yeah it's like did you wish twitter was was just people who held your same worldview about the sport <laughs> we love you love an echo chamber <laughs> horrible sales pitch by alex it's more like do you wish twitter was fun yep mm-hmm. period yeah not filled with toxicity um and alex and i are in the slack popping in and out of different channels talking music sharing photos of ourselves from the pup concert Shout out, shout out to our man, Anthony, who we ran into at the pup concert. That's right. Uh, very nice to meet you, sir. Let's get into it, Alex. We're going to start by talking about uh, Send versus MLB, which was a class action lawsuit, which is a class action lawsuit, 
which has been going on for eight years now. Um, it's gone up and down through the courts. It made it all the way to the Supreme Court to determine whether it was eligible to be a class action lawsuit. They made a ruling on that. Um, the parameters of it cover quite a few people now at this point. And it centers around the fact that minor league baseball players are should not be considered seasonal employees, basically. And because of that, must be paid for any work that they travel to, must be paid for their travel time, things like this. So this lawsuit, which a judge in California preliminarily ruled before they even went to trial, that many of the minor leaguers were already owed damages. It was like a preliminary judgment before all the evidence was even put forward. Um, it's safe to say that this had a had potential to be both financially and reputationally very damaging to Major League Baseball and their 30 teams because basically every every team is affected the same because they're all legally colluding with each other. Um, it was settled this past week. We don't know the terms of the settlement agreement yet, and they're not set to come out for another few weeks at the earliest. So we'll talk about them more in detail when they do. But but I'm curious what you think this means for the sort of rising tide movement of making progress in the better treatment of minor leaguers that we've been chronicling for the last two and a half years of doing this show. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's the really tough thing to, t- to try and predict, right? Because as you mentioned... There was a there was a ruling by uh, by Judge Joseph Spiro in California uh, back in March that that said MLB was in fact violating California wage law and suggested that that damages could be in the range of two million dollars and I think it was it seemed relatively evident that Major League Baseball was was not interested in leaving it up to the courts to decide that they are owed millions more than that to minor league players outside of California. So there is obviously there's the outstanding size of the potential settlement which again could you know we may not learn about until uh, as as late as early July. But then there's the factor of how Spiro's ruling will impact minor league baseball's wage structure moving forward, right? Because uh, at this point, he has ruled that they were acting illegally, and I mean, I guess they could keep doing it. <laughs> yes, a company violating wage law has not necessarily precluded them from violating wage law in the future. Right, yes. But I think that long, long, rich history in America of companies continually violating wage law and not getting punished for it. Yeah, but certainly the size and scope of this lawsuit combined with the increasing public scrutiny of the actions of major league baseball when it comes to minor league players i think is probably enough for them to maybe start to reevaluate what that payment structure looks like now does this mean they're going to voluntarily recognize minor league players as year-round mlb employees no i think arguably nothing short of a union will actually get Major League Baseball on board with that. But it it may impact things like you said, like payment during spring training, like compensation for time it takes to travel to 
games, payment for work that players are required to do in the off season. Yeah. This will come nowhere near to compensating them for the actual value that they're providing for teams right now. But if it means that players are making more than eight, nine, ten thousand dollars in a year, I think it's it's something. It's some sort of movement. And you and I were discussing earlier in the week how we really felt about the decision to settle. Because on yeah. the one hand, standing around waiting for Pup to come on, talking about the minor league settlement. Yeah, literally. <laughs> on the one hand, there are hundreds of players who are owed back pay due to these violations of wage law. On the other hand, if you go to trial, there's obviously much broader implications that it could have on on the sport. And there's probably a lot that would come out in a sort of trial like that yeah. that would leave Major League Baseball very vulnerable, even more so than they already are, both to having to owe even more in damages and letting things see the light of the day that maybe they're not so inclined to let see the the light of day. Yeah. I think so I think oftentimes when we talk about the role of the justice system in the world of labor at large, we have this false dichotomy where you can either settle and like get more cash immediately up front or you can ride it out to its bitter end and try to do the righteous thing of exposing the company, in this case MLB and its 30 teams, for the true nefariousness of their practices. And the reason that we presume most companies would prefer to settle is because they don't want to go to discovery and they don't want what you're describing to happen. They don't want you and me to be talking about what they told a player when the player was like, did you guys violate California wage law? And they lied to him. And now we're here with this trial. They just don't want those things to come to the light of day. And it's a headache for them. And so they may pay a little more up front. They may give a slightly larger settlement. They may add a 10% bonus, a 10, 30% premium on top of what these people are actually owed in order to not have to go to trial. Now, I say that's a false dichotomy because not for good reasons, for bad reasons. Because the righteous element, the taking it through the courts element, doesn't always work. In fact, most of the time, doesn't work how you intended it to. We might go to Discovery and you and I might learn, you and I in the greater baseball media world, might learn exactly what MLB was doing to fuck with minor leaguers. And we might have that information to work with for the fight for the future. But that might not actually help the people that needed the help. That might not actually help get money in the pockets of the members of this class action lawsuit, which is what a lawsuit is for. Organizing and changing the minor league baseball system is not going to happen because of this lawsuit. You can use the momentum from a lawsuit like this, and I think that's where you, where you and I have to wait and see what's in the agreement, the settlement agreement, before we determine whether or not it would have been better to kind of wait it out and go all the way through it would have been better for the the movement to unionize minor league baseball to wait it out and go all the way through and hold MLB's feet to the fire but it's not always gonna it's not up to us to determine that like that's what the lawyers are for 
they determined what to recommend as a settlement agreement. And then the the client determines if that's a better option for them. And and it probably is. It if we're being honest, it probably is better for these minor leaguers who are in the class action lawsuit to settle it. I have no idea wh- whether it's better or not for like the unionize the minors crowd, which we are obviously a vocal part of. But after having rambled on about the the sort of two options that you have for the last five minutes, I will I will close by saying this, which is that we shouldn't need this lawsuit or or people who are on the fence about whether we should fix minor league baseball shouldn't need this lawsuit to change their minds about that. Like we already have mountains and mountains and mountains of evidence of really poor treatment by billion dollar teams, multi-billion dollar teams with multi-billion dollar owners who are profiting like they never have before off of the sport. We already have all of that evidence to organize and get out in the field and actually get enough people on board to eventually unionize minor league baseball. I don't know that this lawsuit would have been make or break in that effort. But I think that I think that some people rightfully get a lot of hope when they see legal proceedings coming against a company. I just don't think that that is often the reason that you get large structural changes. Like we got free free agency is in Major League Baseball because of the Kurt Flood court case, but he lost that court case. They only got that because of the organization that happened after they lost the court case. So my knee-jerk reaction was to be like, ah, they settled. Ah, I wish we would have taken this all the way through. But then I had to sit with that for a little while and be like, that's maybe not the right opinion to have right away. And so we know and understand the settlement agreement and how it helps the people involved in it. Yeah, this is one data point. This is one puzzle piece that fits into that larger movement and at the very least sets a sort of precedent that you actually can take on an organization like Major League Baseball, which wields incredible social and political power and win. So like it feels more like the one of the first dominoes to fall than the the really big one, right? Yeah. I agree. It's not no one thing is the end all be all of this organizational effort. Um okay. Should we move on to MLB's other large shady structural practices? All right. Speaking of dominoes falling. <laughs> that's a much better segue. Congratulations on winning the segue off uh for this episode of Tipping Pitches. Um Alex Crypto it's not it's in a little bit of a slump, we might say in baseball terms. Mm-hmm. It's cratering. <laughs> it's got the yips. <laughs> it's got the yips. That's good too. Um, you know way more about this than, than me because you went on one of your 2 a.m. rabbit hole deep dives into what the hell is going on and what MLB's association with this is. And so you wanted to talk a little bit about how how much MLB has opened themselves up here, like left themselves unprotected with how quickly and aggressively they've dived into the crypto space. There were kind of two pieces of crypto-related news that came out of baseball this week, right? One was that Major League Baseball and the Players Association announced a a new venture in partnership with Sorare. How confident are you that it's not Sorare? (laughs) On a scale of one to ten, how confident? Come on. There's a little part of you that's like it could be Sorare. Uh yeah. Oh, I'm like a I'm like a three. But then like 
it's a crypto thing. So it's probably like so rare, bro. Like they probably <laughs> yeah. thought of that and they were like, we'll just put those words together and name it that. <laughs> Elon will think this is so cool. Yeah, exactly. Well, becoming rarer and rarer <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> um, they announced a, a forthcoming game with so so rare, Sorare, which is already known for its relatively popular NFT soccer games over in Europe. How relative are we talking? <laughs> <laughs> right. As as popular as a NFT-based f- fantasy soccer game can be. I don't know, man. Soccer is bigger than in Europe than baseball is in the U.S. So. That's true. More users than listeners of this podcast. So we don't have That's that right. much room to talk. Right. Exactly. MLB announced a what is essentially a version of that that they are positioning as a sort of engagement tool for fans, a way for fans to collect virtual cards, build these these virtual teams, compete against other players, all based on how the players are actually performing on the field. Which I see no no problem with creating uh, tradable pieces of electronic currency tied to the real world value of human beings, I think it's a very good idea. <laughs> I, I see uh, no potential issues regarding ethics or morals in this uh, whatsoever. Every time someone tries to describe something in the crypto tor- world to me, it's like the ultimate end goal is something that already exists. This is just fantasy sports. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. This, is failed. Failed. this is failed. This is failed fantasy right. sports. Meets, meets the, the fake stock market. <laughs> Um, the details on this are are relatively sparse. We know that you will you will be gifted some some free cards when you sign up. You can collect cards as you go on. Your first trip to the Caribbean is free, but the ones after that you have to get three people to come with you right. in order for you to go free. Now the this this game is is as I mentioned popular among soccer fans in Europe. It's also somewhat controversial because cash prizes are paid out to users it's pretty entirely unregulated there is actually relatively little known about the where the money is actually coming from it's a it's a hedge fund that is composed of a a group of players that uh that back these cash prizes that element isn't going to exist in the baseball version. Mm-hmm. So they're covering, covering their asses in, in <laughs> one space. Um, but it was, it was certainly, it, it made waves on baseball Twitter, I think, because of the recent volatility of the NFT market, right? There's obviously, we heard a lot about NBA Top Shop early last year and its incredible valuation and its subsequent incredible uh cratering Mm -hmm. who could have seen that coming (laughs) as i mentioned little is known about the mechanics of the game so we can't speak um too much to that the other news item that came out this week which was uh which tracked far more with current events was the washington nationals partnership with terra which is a a blockchain network that uh, creates an an algorithmic stablecoin 
which is supposed to be less volatile than your average uh, crypto currency. It's supposed to be pegged to the the U.S. dollar. There's a there's a there's a lot that goes into it. And the Washington Nationals tweeted out a very helpful uh, video, kind of breaking it down. Crypto 101 presented by Terra. That happened to be on the day that Terra decoupled from the U.S. dollar and went directly into the tank. As of today, you actually cannot uh, trade or use Terra. It has been been halted by the, the blockchain markets. Ooh. Once again, I'm not sure who could have seen this coming. But both of these speak to baseball's desperation, their, their desperate desire to create new pathways into the game, right? To hopefully broaden the the market of fans who say may not be as interested in baseball but have more of an interest in crypto or the the average baseball fan who says hey here's a new way to engage and the obvious glaring problem here is that very little is known yeah about about a lot of these stable coins and they're actually um what do you call it stability (laughs) (laughs) i think well number one i think mlb isn't so far over their head they're just they just seem like a brand right now that takes a lot of meetings and is easily swayed. Yeah. Like let's get into and and this is true of like all sports leagues where they think that their sport needs to be some somehow like a government like they need to do all types of things. Mm-hmm. They need to centralize power by having a little bit of their hand in in every element of society. We can't just let the crypto fad go by without having the Nationals partner with Terra or the Mets partner with Tezos mm-hmm. or the NBA officially partner with NBA Top Shot. We have to we have to be a part of it. And that that that's true of all leagues, but MLB's feel so out of touch with reality because for the most part they are like a very traditional sport and a very traditional sports league that has leveraged something that makes sense to a lot of people and makes sense to their product to make a lot of money and that's television and so when they try to make these forays into things that they clearly don't don't know about they're they're mere seconds away from showing their ass at all at all time, at all moments in time. Yeah. And I just wonder when I see stuff like this, I just wonder why it has to be like this. Why can't you just be a sport? Just just be a sport. Like people like your sport. Mm-hmm. So just be a sport. Yeah. Don't be a bank. Don't be a real estate development company. Don't be a political lobbying firm. Don't be a consulting company. Don't be a big data firm. <laughs> the list goes on. No, I'm serious yeah. though. Like, and if you are going to be something, be like a force for societal good, which they never are. Mm-hmm. MLB is never like, we're going to make sure we stop climate change. MLB is never like, you know what? We're going to 
try to lobby so that we can pack the Supreme Court. <laughs> they're never like <laughs> you imagine. they're never doing anything that actually helps like anyone really, but but honestly, that never helps. They're never doing anything that helps a majority or plurality of the people who actually like their sport. They're never using any of their power and acclaim and political influence to do that. They're just doing stuff like this. They're yeah. just they're just like taking checks from co- crypto companies. Right. This is this is like the New York Yankees in 2007 saying, "You heard about these subprime mortgages? Yes. You can you you can use them at our ballpark." <laughs> I don't think they were calling them subprime mortgages <laughs> at the time. <laughs> but no, see, I mean, and the thing about crypto is that it has value ascribed to it insofar as all of the users agree that it has value ascribed to it yeah right and like that's that is kind of central to the the downfall of terra which was thought to be leading the way for this more uh stable form of of crypto currency and then there was a run on the bank and everyone said, hang on a second. Tale as it, old as it time. Might, I, it might be time to cash out. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I'm I'm not sure how much the Washington Nationals care as long as the, the checks keep clearing. Yeah. That's not going to keep happening, but yeah. Right. Well, exactly. Right. And it, it feels like it's only a matter of time before... A team or an owner or something like that inextricably ties their wealth or their success to a fundamentally unstable market, right? I mean, it was just a year ago that we were joking about Steve Cohen's hedge fund propping up the short position against GameStop, right? And subsequently burning through. Tens quite, of millions quite of dollars. Quite a lot of money. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Yes. Yeah. So like this is far from the first time this sort of thing has happened. But what is frightening is it seems to be far from the last time it, it will happen. And you start to wonder when they will learn their lesson. And it they just seem so anxious to try and be on the cutting edge without really properly doing a Wikipedia search of... Let me see if the person I'm going into business with is currently being hunted down by the SEC <laughs> because the the creator of Terra was at the time the Nationals inked their deal. Um I think overextended is the word mm-hmm. that I would use to describe MLB and most of its individual teams. Overextended. They're trying to do too much and the result is no fan feels spoken to. You said something that I thought was interesting, which is that presumably the company line with crypto partnerships, NBA Top Shot, memorabilia markets, presumably the reason that they are so interested in it or what they would tell you if you sat them down at a press conference is, oh, this is such an interesting way to get new people interested in the sport. Like, maybe you don't like baseball because you didn't grow up playing Little League, but you might care about cryptocurrency. And so you might like us because now we are telling you we care about cryptocurrency. But here's the problem. Anyone who knows anything about cryptocurrency, or it doesn't even have to be crypto, it could be anything. Anyone who knows anything about 
crypto knows that MLB doesn't know anything about crypto. So who's the who's the crypto bro who doesn't give one fuck about Mike Trout? Who's going to be like, now I'm going to get really into baseball, the product. Yeah. Now I'm going to start going to games. Right. Now I'm going to buy MLB TV. That that person does not exist. I challenge anyone listening to this podcast to find me one person who was like, yeah, I got super into the Nats. Man, Nelson Cruz having a having a tough year. You know why I got into them? I was I was I had a lot I had a big position on Terra. Yep. I was I was able to buy a hot dog with my with my Terra coin. Right. They're not they're not selling baseball no. anymore. And and to be frank, they haven't been for a while. I know, but like if that's the company in line though, if the reason that you are partnering with Terra is because you want to get crypto people into baseball, it's obviously not. But just fucking spend your time making Little League more accessible. Right. That would do way yeah, better you know for getting more investment. fans in the next couple decades. Like you, you want to you want people to like baseball? Help people play baseball. Right. You know why I like baseball? Played it. Mm-hmm. You know why Alex likes baseball? He played it. Do you know why most of the people who we are friends with like baseball? They or someone they know played it. Yeah. Or their parents played it and showed them it at a young age. Yeah. I mean, and the the cynical response to that is you you can't make money off of a kid liking Little League, right? You can't. No, but you can, though. I, I, I mean, yes, I know. They, I, I know because I'm giving them so much money. I am giving them four figures, thousands of dollars a year of my own money just to consume their product. And it has nothing to do with what they did. It has to do with the fact that I played Little League and I fell in love with the game. And this is the best version of the game that I can watch now. Period. And it's it's confounding to me that they're not more concerned about creating more people like us. And preferably more people who don't necessarily look like us because they have never catered to people who don't look like us in a thoughtful or creative way. And it's just weird, like for this group of quote unquote, like old school owners or a traditionalist sport that we think baseball to be. It's weird that they don't think like that, that they don't think about the long term investment. Like these are like real estate guys. These are stock market guys. These are old money, old world people. They should understand that investing now in growing the game would actually pay off for them in not that long. But they don't seem to understand that. Right. Well, and I think it's part of that is they are not interested in the long term because they are are not for the the long term, right? Lots of these guys well, like they're gonna be dead. I, I mean, what good is the health of the is that sport? A threat, in, Alex? In, <laughs> are you threatening the owners on the podcast? I am certainly not threatening John Fisher whatsoever. John Fisher, you are not being threatened at all. <laughs> Once again, this podcast is parody. What? So so you are threatening him then. You're saying you're not threatening him and that it's parody. <laughs> Get your story straight, sir. Yeah, I I mean, yeah, it's it's unfortunate that they choose instead of choosing to build the game from the ground up at the community level, they are instead choosing to cash out in very obvious Ponzi schemes that yeah. frankly are preying on actual individuals yes. who are I to put it lightly having their lives ruined yep. by this sort of thing. 
if we're to get super 20 something lefty galaxy brain theory of, of global capitalism about it, it does kind of reflect a larger shift in how billionaires think about their income streams where if you were a real estate baron in like the 20th century, you were like, Oh, I'll just corner the market on building houses and I'll own all of the means of production. And then I'll sell the houses and then I'll make a ton of money. And now it's like, why would I do all of that when I could just be a slumlord? That's like the shift in society. And it's also the shift in baseball. These are just 30 ownership groups being slumlords with our sport. Right. They're ruining it and also profiting off of it at the same time. They're not improving the product. They're letting it become dilapidated. And they understand that they don't have to invest any of their own money to continue to turn a profit off of it. Right. Well, if you look at the increasing wealth disparity in both the U.S. and around the world, I think they're saying, hmm, who do we want to be in bed with? The the, the 98% who might love the game but have very little money to give us or the or the folks at the top who don't give two shits about baseball but will allow me to to pad my pocketbook a little bit i don't know man i it feels too obvious to say out loud sometimes <laughs> that capitalism is the problem right <laughs> it's been a while since we've done one of these yeah exactly um okay you have anything else on crypto you want a, any investment advice for people is now the time to buy the dip right yes it is uh you get credentialed to go to a mike rizzo press conference and you ask him mike should i buy the dip on Terra?" <laughs> thing is i think he has no fucking clue what Terra is hey juan soto nice to meet you alex basley from tipping pitches here um i know that you had a little bit of a slow start to the season you're starting to turn it around do you think that Terra can do the same right is it time to buy in on ethereum okay we're gonna take a quick break When we come back, we are going to do each five capital C cool players and five lowercase u uncool players. Okay, Alex. If you're listening this late in the podcast, you probably know that we have a Patreon. You might even be signed up for that Patreon. You might have even seen this question in the podcast mailbag Slack channel, which you can get access to if you sign up for that Patreon at patreon.com backslash tipping pitches. This question came from longtime listener, many time question asker, one of our faves, Becca, who first presented an argument that she was having with her friend. Uh, currently in an argument with a friend who is a Yankees fan who thinks Anthony Rizzo is cooler than Tim Anderson. <laughs> I disagree. Who are a few players that you guys think are capital C cool and lowercase u uncool? Now, I thought this was a very good question. So we decided to make it the entire last segment of this podcast. We are going to answer that question by naming five cool and five uncool players. First, I want to um, want to make a ruling on Becca's argument with her friend. There's absolutely no world in which Anthony Rizzo is cooler than Tim Anderson. I'm sorry. Even if you think Anthony Rizzo is cool, which I'm not convinced. Mm -hmm. I think he's nice. I think he's fun. I think he's a good hang. He's Mm -hmm. probably a good friend. Yeah. If he was in this room right now, I think the three of us would be having a good time. Well, and here's the thing. But I don't think that I would be like, when he left, I don't think I would be like, that guy? Cool guy. Cool. Mm -hmm. Cool. 
I will say now, so Anthony Rizzo isn't on my capital C cool players list. However, he does remain the only current MLB player who has walked up to a Taylor Swift song. So Ooh. the jury might still be out on him. Okay, but Swifties were not all cool. <laughs> I know. Like, in fact, maybe a point towards uncool right. if you are a Swifty. But but if you're like if we're if we're doing it in the system how the good place does it, where like every action that you have is either a point towards you getting to the good place or a point towards you going to the bad place. Yeah. Swifty is probably a bad place more often than not. Yeah, true. Though is it is it a point in Cool's favor that he is unabashedly a Swifty? Yes. Right? See, now we're now we're cooking with gas. Yeah, this is this exactly. is where our headspace is. Uh, either way, Tim Anderson is cooler. Yes, yeah. I've shared space with Tim Anderson. He is as cool as he looks on TV. Potentially even cooler. Yeah. Tim Anderson doesn't even pretend to know other players in his division if he's never played against them before. That's the coolest fucking thing I've ever heard. <laughs> he just goes out and he just plays baseball. He started playing baseball in high school and he is already one of the best shortstops on the face of the planet. He's a he's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. Um I'll let you do the honors of going first. Let's let's trade off between our cool and uncool lists. It will be pretty obvious which mm-hmm. <laughs> which list these guys fall under. Yeah. I and, think. I, and I want to say I've in both categories, I've I've elected to leave off some of the more obvious ones, especially when it comes to to the cool guys. I I think Sean Doolittle might be the coolest player in baseball. See, and, okay, wait. <laughs> Sean Doolittle is the most with it player in baseball, but is he cool? I think he is. Yes. See, I think when I saw like capital C cool. I was picturing like suave. <laughs> I don't okay. think Sean is like <laughs> no. Sean is like Sean rocks, right. but is he cool? Sean is dope, but is he cool? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean that's that's interesting. We should have we should have set the definitions of of cool. I mean, like, he's cool. Like, yeah, it's yeah, cool that he yeah, likes Star Wars, and it's cool that he likes metal, like and metal it's cool that he's like actually a lefty. Yes, like, yeah. books. Yeah, he's cool, but is he cool? Right. Okay. All right. So. Here's, if you walked in the room, you'd be like, that's a normal guy that I could have a conversation with. You wouldn't be like, he's so cool, I can't talk to him. Right, yeah, fair. Okay. Um, I so, say that, but then my list violates that rule, so it's fine. It's fine. Um, I'm a fraud. First cool guy, maybe the most obvious one in, in Major League Baseball right now, and that's Jazz Chisholm Jr. Probably the, the coolest player in the sport at the moment. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Between the, the way that he plays the game, which is just with such a bravado, and swagger and the way that he talks about the game, which is with both a, a reverence for it and also a desire for it to feature more of that bravado and swagger. I, and, and the fact that he has blue hair. Yeah. Blue hair is cool. Yep. Yeah. You should dye your hair blue. I could do like, maybe like a, like a blue, like strip, you know? Ooh. Yeah. Uh. Can like you grow real, your hair like, out like to scene like, phase? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Like dashboard confessional over one eye. Right. And the hair that's going over one eye is blue. Yeah. I mean, My Chemical Romance just dropped a new song. So we're Your trending God, in that direction. Damn right they did. Not only did they just drop a new song, it's the song that's going to play this podcast <laughs> out because it's my turn to pick the music this week. Um, I guess I'm giving that away. It's supposed to be a little game that people play. It's going to be pretty obvious. Uh, okay. My first cool guy. You know who's cool? Starling Marte. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, he's sir. cool as fuck. I don't even know how to describe it. He's a super nice looking guy. He's confident. He has a swagger. He's got the buttons unbuttoned, like super, super low down to the middle of his chest. He he wears the jewelry. He never looks uncomfortable on the field, which I feel like is an important part to being one of the coolest baseball players yeah. in the league. And, you know, everything, everything with his style. The haircut is always fresh. The beard is always tended to. He's just a cool guy. He's cool. Also good at baseball. Helps helps to it's be good. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty good. Worth Steal, it. Steals bases. You know what's cool? Stealing bases. Stealing bases. Yeah, stealing bases is fucking cool as hell. Okay, uh, it's your turn to do an uncool guy. Okay. You want to know who's uncool? Blake Snell. <laughs> <laughs> so corniest, good. Yeah, it's so corniest good. Corniest motherfucker in the league. Wow. Wow, he's going to put us on blast on Twitch. I hope he does. <laughs> Him in his like black scent, like I, yeah, yeah. He he's just goofy. He's a guy that tries so hard to be cool, and I feel like that characterizes maybe a lot of the guys on my uncool list. Is guys who are like, no, I am cool. Like as yeah. soon as you come out and put yourself forth as a cool guy, you're uncool. Yep. Sorry, I agree. Um. His his ninety seven mile an hour fastball from the left side is pretty that's, cool that's sometimes pretty, though yeah uh though he hasn't been very good for like three years but raised knew what they were doing to each their own um my first uncool player fits that same description that you just described he he tries really 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 hard to be cool lest you think I'm a a Mets homer choosing Starling Marte as my first cool player I'm choosing Pete Alonso as my first uncool player yes sir this is maybe a little bit too obvious. He is so uncool that it's almost cool, but it's not. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's incredibly awkward, both physically and I think like spiritually, like in the way that he talks <laughs> and the things that he likes. And he got his polar bear nickname from from Todd Frazier because of the way he like walks around. He kind of looks like a polar bear when he goes up on when polar bears go up on their two legs. Yeah. And that's true. But that makes you uncool. The pre- the prevailing image that I think of when I think of Pete being uncool is him just bopping his head at the mm-hmm. home run derby while like I don't even remember Mob Deep was playing right right it's <laughs> like okay you're yeah. from Florida right <laughs> yeah the ultimate tryhard hey he's good at baseball so what are you what are you gonna do yeah he's good at some things okay uh cool cool guy your turn extremely cool guy Jose Ramirez yeah just just does his it does his thing yep. with unabashedly i think that his cool factor was admittedly heightened when francisco lindor played directly to the left of them because they are both extremely cool and when you're in the presence of someone else who radiates that coolness i think they kind of um they they double down on each other mhm I, I think I've said this before, but like I love the way he walks up to the plate. Like he does not look like he's about to be a forty forty player or one he of the best disheveled. In the yes, when he walks up to the plate, right? Huge, huge cheek full of chew. It's like it, like it almost is Ruthian, right? Yeah. Where I'm like, this guy is not one of the one of the best players of his generation. It's kind of like he's doing a bit, right? Yeah, swings out of his ass. Every single time. That's extremely cool. 
he has he has not had his swing the way he plays like tinkered down to a science. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who who just sticks with what he knows. It definitely is more of an art for him yeah. when I watch him play. I'm like, I'm I'm always like, I'm always like weirdly surprised mm-hmm. by what he does. Yeah. I'm like, wow, I didn't expect you to make that diving stop to save this game against the White Sox while they collapsed. Though I know that you're a wonderful defender, it just didn't look like you were going to be able to get over there. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you're like weirdly teleporting. He's so cool. He's, yeah, he's really cool. Um, I like what you said about Lindor. There's sort of like a coupling effect when you're around other cool people. If you're around another cool person and you look less cool, it's a great indicator that you're uncool. Like if you're lack of cool is exposed by being mm. next to a cool person. If you can't right. be cool with another cool person, you're not cool. That's true. You're a fraud. Yeah. You're a fraud. My next cool person, Brett Phillips. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> this is the guy who goes against the Sean Doolittle argument that I was trying to make. Yeah. So maybe I'll, I'll admit that Sean's cool. Sean, I'm sorry for saying that you're uncool. Though I think that he would describe himself as uncool. Yeah. Brett Phillips is so funny. Right. Like, he's just fucking he's weird, man. a weirdo. And he has one of the most pure senses of humor and hearts and spirits of any player that I've seen on a major league baseball field. Yeah. Since we started doing this, he's like, he has absolutely no shame. He, when he, he's their position player who pitches, he has a cannon. He has an absolute cannon. And he goes up there, and because they don't want him to get injured, he throws 54 mile an hour curveballs that get obliterated by one of the best players of all time in Mike Trout. Yeah. And he still makes faces at Trout as he's going around the bases afterwards and then goes on Twitter and tweets at him saying, you got lucky hitting that one out. Yeah. <laughs> that is cool. I don't like, I don't care. It's such confidence. It's like class clown cool. Yeah. And I think that the sport is better for it. Well, and it, I think it helps because he knows that he is not a star. He's, he's not the best player on the raise, but he's had his, moments in the spotlight and i think is totally fine with that he doesn't need to be the center of attention on the baseball field he's just a dude who's like happy to be there yep yep we need more of we need more people like brett phillips Mm -hmm. okay uncool uncool marcus stroman (laughs) brutally uncool (laughs) see i think that some people think he's cool though i know i mean he's a guy who like if you watch him play baseball you probably think he is one of the coolest players on the field. Right. He right? plays cool. He plays extremely cool. Yep. He tweets extremely uncool. <laughs> like he is his own worst enemy. If we're if we're being quite honest, I have no comment on this. I know you don't. I have no comment. He's a good photographer. That's cool. Yeah, photography's cool. Yeah. I mean, he's a good pitcher, and he might be a a good hang. Might be. If you don't get him talking about crypto. Banned topic. Mm. Banned topic. True. You're right. That's a penalty for you. Mm. Five minutes in the penalty box. Banned topic. Uh, Okay. Uncool. Corey Seager. (laughs) All right. Explain. (laughs) He's not cool at all. Right. He doesn't look cool playing. He just goes up there. He has the most boring swing, the most boring fielding mechanics. I'm not saying they're bad, and I'm not saying he's bad. He's the one of the best uncool players in baseball yeah he's like six the least interesting six war you've ever seen in your life (laughs) (laughs) oh look at that oh he shot it the other way and then stand up double to second no emotion yeah there's Corey seager again see i think he even looks like a creative player (laughs) he does 
I think of him as just like boring in the way that like Mike Trout is boring, where he's like extremely good. But like, I don't think Mike Trout is resolutely like uncool. Like, I, don't I think th- Mike Trout is so uncool that he's cool. He's one of the guys who actually walks that fine line. Yeah. Like he he likes weather. That's cool. Yeah. If you like something that other people think is boring, but you like really earnestly like it, I think that's kind of cool. Right. That Let re- people have hobbies. That remains to be it feels like a, a bit that got out of hand, you know? Like it's kind of like, oh, this Mike Trout weather guy like this Mike Trout guy likes weather. And he like went along with it and now he's in too deep. And so now he has to have the weather channel on See, no, at like, I think, all times. Well, I think that he probably likes weather mm-hmm. just fine. Yeah. Way more than the average person likes to think about the weather. But I also think that it's a real indictment of baseball media that they can't think of anything more interesting to say about Mike Trout or interesting to learn about Mike Trout than the fact that he has weather. It's proof that baseball media is actually uncool. Because we're just like, oh, haha, Mike Trout, here comes the weather joke again. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's all we've got. Uh, okay. We're on to cool again. Cool. Andrew McCutcheon. Okay. Again, this feels obvious, if we're being honest. It's yeah. just like I probably should have left him off the list mm-hmm. given my caveat up top but like he fits he it seems to me like he fits in that kind of curtis granderson mold of like being a a genuinely good dude he's also extremely weird online which like i just have an <laughs> affinity for right he has the the weirdest posts on his instagram yeah. on his twitter he's like engaging and he like knows how to use the the platform actually he's not just tweeting out sponsorships and retweeting like teammate highlights he's actually like yeah. in his mentions yeah but not in a toxic way right that's cool to me okay that's a good one i All think right. he's pretty cool i think he's a little bit obvious he's a little played out for me he is a little yeah you know he's cool like nirvana was cool not cool anymore <laughs> no nope, we moved on just kidding nirvana was cool as fuck are you kidding me uh this is my third guy who is cool his name is jb crawford yeah shortstops are cool most of the time. And then they have to like actively become uncool. Yeah. By being a certain way, like Corey Seeker. And JP has done nothing but make himself seem even cooler to me. I don't even really know much about him, like as a guy, what his personality is like, what he's into. But just his aesthetic is very, very cool to me. So JP Crawford. And he's good. He's having a bit of a coming out year. He's this year. His OPS is like 950 right now. Yeah. So that helps. Uncool. Mike Clevenger. Yeah. Like he kind of does does the work for us on this one. Like there are guys who are weird and cool. And there are guys who are weird and just feel like a little toxic. Like he radiates like toxic positivity almost, right? His whole thing is like, is like hippie, like yeah. Sunshine and flowers, man. Like I'm just all like like peace and love in the world. And you get the sense that he just kind of wanted to create that brand for himself because mm-hmm. he thought it would like make him cool. You can't be about all peace, love, and rainbows in the world if you are also like just a barstool guy. Right. And getting into like getting into like fights with fans online which he did a couple years ago. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I just, he's just the kind of guy I'm like, I don't, I don't trust you. See, this is a, it's a good example of somebody who like has, for whatever reason, 
just developed a lot of clout amongst baseball highlight Instagram pages. Like, (laughs) oh, the cleats, all the hair, all the funky delivery. Like, he's all over Pitching Ninja all the time. He even sometimes, like, makes his way to House of Highlights. And I'm just like, this guy is annoying. I'm tired of seeing him. Yeah. Um, Speaking of guys that are annoying and maybe the most uncool player on my list, uh, Alex Bregman. (laughs) Wow, okay. He is not cool at all. Yeah. And he wants he wants it too much. He's doing an impression of a cool guy. Mm-hmm. And he does a good impression. Yeah. He does a good job of not breaking that kayfabe. But after like all of the sign stealing stuff, like him trying to turn himself into the heel, it it was very much like when LeBron went to Miami and he tried to turn himself into like a villain. He's like, I'm LeBron villain mode for all of 2011. I'm like, yeah. dude, like you're just a normal guy who plays a really solid third base. And I, I just don't, I, I don't think his shtick is very interesting. Yeah, it feels a little, you mentioned LeBron, it feels a little like Kevin Durant-esque too. Oh, yeah. See, I think Kevin Durant's cool. <laughs> I've I mean, gone back and I forth think, on this right. I, so many times. I know, yes, you have. I think he's just a cool guy who does a lot of uncool stuff. Right, but it's like... But like when he logs on Twitter and just ethers people, I'm like, wait. Is this the coolest guy Wait, I've ever seen? Are you in my maybe life? the the best poster of all time? He, I think he might be drill. Right. <laughs> like the fact that dude has like actual burner accounts out there. He's, that's just hilarious to me. I know this isn't an NBA cool uncool, but unbelievable. Okay, back to cool. Rapid fire through the last few. You know who I think is really cool, who does not get the shine he deserves from Yankees fans is Glaber Torres. Hmm. Interesting. I think it, it is obvious he has maybe had a, a rocky career, to say the least, mm-hmm. in New York. I think has drawn the ire of a lot of Yankees fans and continues to do so, especially now that Gary Sanchez is gone. Right. But like when you talk about suave, like a guy who looks good out on the field, maybe you don't have to look at results all the time. But he's a guy or who you like, might have to run to the bathroom if hit ground ball is hit to him. <laughs> right. Just conveniently be out of the room. He's a guy who I think like like looks like a like a baseball player. Yeah, he does. He has maybe the best jawline in the sport. He also is a fit god. Yeah. I don't know. In in another world where he's a good baseball player, I think he's like a like a <laughs> He's like a fashion icon. You know, he's like he's like bizarro world like Javi Baez. Okay. Although Javi Baez Baez sometimes is not a good baseball player either. Very good this year. I thought about putting Javi Baez on here. He's one who felt too obvious. He's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um I like it. You convince me. He's not good, but he is cool. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely not good. This is too much Yankees apologizing going on here. Mike Schubert is gonna text us saying that this we're his favorite Yankees podcast. Uh all right, let me let me knock the Yankees fans down from their high mm-hmm. in just a second. But I have to do an, another cool guy first. Mm-hmm. That cool guy is Jose Abreu. Yeah. He's so damn cool. He's like dirty. <laughs> his jersey is like all the way down to his ribcage. Yeah. He's got a, some of the thickest chains I've ever seen like a good baseball player be able to wear for long periods of time yeah. while playing well still. He's got like a dad strength energy to him. Like his many of his home runs are just all forearms. Kind of like how Albert Pujols was. Yeah. 
in his peak. Not that I'm saying that Jose Abreu is anywhere near the baseball player that Albert Pujols was, but Not yet. I think his the ponytail, the bun is cool. Mm-hmm. I, I think the the big lip in is cool. It's all cool. He's cool. He's yeah. so show. And again, and like, that's a phrase that we use on baseball Twitter a lot to describe yeah. someone who just looks like a big leaguer mm-hmm. who has like mastered the mannerisms of looking like a big leaguer. But there's a way to do that where it feels like you know that you're doing the mannerisms of a big leaguer. And then there's a way to do it where it feels like you're you're like living the mannerisms. Like you were put on this earth to show people how to dip. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of what Jose Abreu is like. Well, and you mentioned earlier, right? If you're standing next to someone cool and you look uncool, like big demerit in there. Yeah, red and flag. He's he, standing next to like 20 he's cool hap- people. He's standing next to like maybe the coolest team in baseball and manages to. He's still the coolest guy. Yeah. All right, back to uncool. Another sort of obvious one. The the uncool ones f- oftentimes feel just as, if not more obvious than than the cool guys. Yeah. Noah Syndergaard. <laughs> Supremely uncool. Oh, this is such a good one. This is such a good one. It. I don't know why he didn't come across my mind because I think all of the time about how uncool he is. Yeah, it's like... He's like if Jordan Peterson was six foot five and threw 98. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Like, you know, is always posting. Except the, only throws 93 now. Yeah, is washed. He's always like posting like the books he's reading on Instagram. And they're like, how to how to level up your your mindset. You know, <laughs> um, yes, here's my here's my my dinner. It's a piece of, of raw steak and one lettuce <laughs> leaf, and one lettuce leaf. One lettuce, I'll take one lettuce, sir. He actually is Jordan Peterson, come he, to think of it. He is Jordan Peterson. Yeah. he's And, like, he's not even, like, corny. He's like, I would I would like to not have a conversation with this man. I don't <laughs> think I'd be able to make it through. Oh, man. Um, another New York pitcher on my uncool list. Though I know that Noah Syndergaard is an Anaheim pitcher now, which feels weirdly more accurate. Another New York pitcher who should have maybe also been an Anaheim pitcher. I don't really know. Garrett Cole. He is not cool at all. Yeah. There's nothing cool about him. Yeah. I used to think he was kind of cool. Right. When he was on the Astros, it was kind of like, damn, this guy shoves every time he goes out there. He shoves every time he goes out there. His stuff is off the charts. He doesn't really talk that much. He has a pretty good game face. But the the game face is completely gone now that he's not allowed to have a beard. Now it just kind of looks like I keep saying this joke because it keeps being true in my brain. He looks like the Michael Myers mask <laughs> without facial hair. And I mean, talk about a way to expose yourself as supremely uncool. The whole spider tax situation yeah. was just one of the least cool, cool ways to handle anything that has ever happened yeah. in baseball. Big. I've never had media training in my life. Energy. <laughs> um, If you're on the Yankees, you have to really do something to overcome and and present as cool, and he does not. Yep. Okay, we're up to our final in each category. All right, I'll just give you my my cool and uncool real quick. Okay. My cool guy, Mark Hanna. Nice. The Aviator Shades. Yeah, the Aviator Shades. He's a huge like foodie. He's always posting. I mean, when he was on the A's, he was always popping around to like the the hot spots in town and posting about it on his wow. Instagram. Wow. Like, and and again, like a guy who kind of like 
came up out of Mark nowhere Cannon and really has right for the eater 38 brother right. has no business being good at baseball like just looks like a a dude yeah. he looks like such a like a dad who's really into golf yeah but not very good at golf right like yeah i he, he's i love him yeah unbelievable mm-hmm. that he's on the mets yeah let's go mets as they completely botch a game to the seattle mariners but it's fine my last uncool guy is a bit of a zag because I know he's a bit of a favorite on this podcast, but he is extremely uncool, and that's Nick Castellanos. Oh, okay. Look, I thought you were going to say my last guy too, and I was going to be mad because I'm zagging as well. Nice. But also zigging at the same time. You'll see what I mean. He is incredible for the content, man. Yeah. It's partially because he's uncool. Like, he wants to be that guy, right? Who's like exposing baseball for the the sham that it is right the the business of baseball right he's he's vocally anti rob manfred he will hand over the, the mic to a fan in a post game interview just to let that sentiment be known and again i hope he keeps doing what he's doing because there there are very few players like him in baseball and and i love it it's not cool. It's not it's not cool. Okay, my only counterpoint would be if you walked into a room and Nick Castellanos was in the room in street clothes, I think you would think he was cool. Yeah. I think but, once he started talking, I might Yeah, you might lose the thread. Yeah. You might lose the thread. That's fair. It might be a controversial one. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. The listeners will have to decide whether or not he is cool or uncool. That'll be the poll that I put underneath this on Spotify. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give me your last two. Okay, my last two are actually one one man. He's on both. Yeah, He's both. I feel like I know who this is. It's Bryce Harper. <laughs> I He's like that, to me, when we're talking about cool or uncool, he's like that painting that looks like a bunny if you look at it in one angle and looks like a duck if you look at it in the other angle. It's just a matter of where, how you choose to look at it that day. Yeah. Whether or not what he's doing is cool. Because like, Okay, 485-foot home run, bat flip, yelling, hands straight up in the air. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Happy Mother's Day in, into the camera after hitting a bomb. Yeah, like he is, like I said earlier, he's show. Yeah. And he has been since he was like 15. Yeah. And the eye black, like back in the minors, like getting tossed. He got tossed in a minor league game because... Uh, a pitch was outside and he went and drew a line where the pitch was and the umpire ejected him yeah. like it's pretty that stuff is all pretty cool the obsession with like the barber shop that we discovered on this podcast a couple years ago the pandering to Philadelphia like the second that he got in the door by like making his Instagram captions like hashtag city of Bricerly love and yeah. shit like that like <laughs> That stuff is like maybe not cool, though I could be convinced that it is cool in a certain way. And I do think he's pretty corny and a tryhard. Mm-hmm. So that's why he occupies kind of both sides of my list. He's like the one guy who I will allow an argument for either case based on the day or even the hour or even the inning of the specific game that he is playing. Yeah. Yeah, maybe not cool uh, personality-wise. Don't scroll through his Instagram likes. Yeah, I don't even think you can do anymore, but... Not politically cool. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, he... 
But like, I know the like whole, like, that's a clown question, bro thing was like, got really played out really quickly. But when it <laughs> happened, it was fucking hilarious, right? That was like when, when Trump tweeted Kofefe and, <laughs> and for a moment, the whole internet, internet was united in how fucking stupid our president is, you know? And then like, he got in on the joke and it got really played out and like liberals yeah. glommed onto it. But but when it happened, boy, that was that was a day on the internet. He's got pretty funny, pretty good comedic timing or like life timing. Yeah. He does big things in big moments. Yeah. Good or bad mm-hmm. or dumb or silly or like whatever. Yeah. And he's such a main character. Yeah, he really is. Big main character energy. Um, also, he won MVP last year. I don't really feel like we're talking about him as one of the best players in baseball anymore. He has two MVPs. Mm-hmm. He's still under 30. It's sort of ridiculous how good he is and how much we take him for granted because he's not been on very many good teams. Uh, okay. That's it, Alex. That's everybody on the cool and uncool list. That's not all of the cool and uncool players. Please don't be offended if we left out your favorite cool or your least favorite uncool player. Yeah. But, but let us know who it is. You can slide into our, into our DMs. You can drop us a reply on Twitter. If you're in that Patreon Slack, you can pop in there as well, where we have an episode discussion channel set up for all you tipping pitches heads. Still never came up with a name. Yeah. Still never came up with a name for the yep. supporters of the podcast. Um, speaking that, of the Patreon. That, <laughs> speaking of the Patreon, uh, patreon.com backslash tipping pitches. Three tiers, $5, $7, or $12 a month. You get a bunch of good stuff at all of those tiers at the top tier, the Alex Rodriguez VIP club, you will get a shout out as a producer level supporter of this podcast. We are going to shout out five of those A-Rod tier patrons per week. This week, huge thank you goes to Alexander, Connor, Jacob, Becca, and JT. If you have questions for the podcast, but you're not in the Slack, of course, you can drop them tipping pitches pod at gmail.com, tipping underscore pitches on Twitter, in the DMs. You can call our voicemail line, 785 422 5881. It's been a while since we've done a bona fide voicemail mailbag segment, but maybe we'll do one of those soon. We'll let you know ahead of time if we do. Alex, anything else to leave the, leave the people with? Have you contemplated on what other cryptocurrencies that people could, could buy into? You know, I haven't. Um, you want to know who's uncool? I'd love to know. Mayor Eric Adams. Ooh. <laughs> That's so true. I forgot about this. We should play them out with, with how uncool he is. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Appreciate everybody listening. We'll be back next week. Please enjoy the dulcet tones of New York City's meme of a mayor, Eric Adams. But just think about it, from sitting in those seats to sitting in the broadcast booth. Only in America. Pretty cool. Absolutely. Only in America. And, knew, you know? and who knows what seed that planted for you. <laughs> Without a doubt. Only in America. Listen, this is the only country with dream is attached to our name. There's not a German dream. There's not a French dream. There's not a Polish dream. This is just an American dream. And that dream came to reality just by sitting in those seats. 
Hello everybody, uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya!